0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta
1: injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com.
2: 5-0
1: now, Baltimore Orioles over the Toronto Blue Jays. are in the bottom of the eighth inning, so uh, barring a massive comeback win by the Jays, they'll lose tonight and remain a game back of the Seattle Mariners for the Third and final wild card spot in the American League. The Mariners did lose today five four to the Chicago White Sox to uh, fall a half game up on the Jays. But it looks like that full game advantage will be uh, remain will be remaining for the Mariners after this uh, game tonight in Baltimore. Jesus, uh, looks like they're going to lose this one. Toronto Maple Leaf signing Star Center, Austin Matthews. Four-year deal, $53 million. That's an average annual value of $13.5 million. That will make Matthews the highest-paid player beginning next season. New York Rangers signing Alexis Lafreniere. Two-year deal worth $4.65 million. He was the first pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft, 100 points in 243 regular season and NHL and playoff games in the NHL. Arizona Coyotes uh, keeping Andre Tourne, uh, Tournier around for the next three years. That uh, will mean that Tournier will be at the forefront of their rebuilding process. The uh, Elks in action on Sunday against the Ottawa Redblacks. 3:30 countdown to kickoff. Five o'clock is the uh, kickoff with uh, Brenton Escott, Blake Dermott. Morley Scott, David Bulls, and yours truly. What about facing Dustin Crum, head coach Chris Jones?
2: You know, you look at him, and guy, that's what I told the defense today. I'm like uh, that guy. You know, he runs extremely well. He, uh, if you watch the Winnipeg game, he scrambled in the Winnipeg game, and you know nobody was even close to him. I mean, he's uh, constantly on the move. He can uh, and he throws. You know, much better than what people give him credit for.
1: Doesn't shy away from contact either. No.
2: No, look at the play down on the goal line when they hit him and he just hops right up and goes on. He's a lot like Mike Riley was.
1: So that will be an interesting matchup, too, between uh, two young quarterbacks in the CFL. Trey Ford, by the way, on the team finally reacting better from adversity leading to a win.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it proves a lot. I mean, the the win over Hamilton was great, but I mean, even if you look back, uh, you know, a week before that and you look at the Winnipeg game, and I mean, you know, I, I believe Winnipeg's probably the best team in the league right now mm-hmm. still currently. And, I mean, like, we went up 22. I know they came back and won, but I think it was nice for the guys in the locker room to know that we could compete mm-hmm. with the number one team. Like, that was the best team in the CFL. and We were up 22 yeah. nothing or whatever it was. And, yeah. I mean, just having, like, having that in the back of our head now, knowing, like, we're capable of jumping out on anybody. And we just got to continue to play the four quarters. And I mean, I think we can beat
1: anybody. And, by the way, two-for-one deal. Two-for-one deal. P-1 ticket for a Sunday's game against the Red Blacks. And uh, you can head to the uh, Elks page, goelks.com, look for the uh, tickets. And uh, two Ford one, two Ford one, two for one, P1 ticket. Two tickets for the price of one in that uh, in that range. So there you go. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the number to uh, call and text And Kellen. What do we got on the text line, buddy?
4: Mm-hmm. And if you are going out to the game on Sunday, make uh, make sure you obviously layer up with sunscreen, have lots of fluids when you're out there, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a scorcher. It looks like it'll be a hot weekend in the old city. But oh, yeah. text line, lots of stuff, uh, lots of talk on Oilers and Elks. So uh, I'll start with the Oilers stuff here. Uh, James reflecting on a lot of texters. Text again, about a quarter of my texts that have come in tonight are on this one person and we can get into it a little bit here James simply just states sign Gagne at 750 to 800k referring to Sam Gagne
1: Dave Campbell yes of course of course and this has been talked about almost every offseason, it seems like since Sam Gagne left the uh, Oilers or was traded away in the uh, what 2020 uh, trade deadline to the Detroit Red Wings so I think the PTO is what's going to have to happen if it's going to happen, and that's not a guarantee that Gagne is going to be uh, offered a PTO. Brandon Sutter is the only one that uh, is coming to camp with a PTO. We'll see what happens. I mean, I would love the story with Sam Gagne. Of course, he can finish his career as an oiler, but uh, it's funny how this has played out because when Gagne was traded, not everyone, but there was a lot of elation, and I was one that said, I don't want Gagne traded because I think there's... There's some value there. Then he comes back home, and he's uh, a different kind of player at that point, not as offensive, but more of a role player, and he fit the bill well. But, uh, you know, if he comes back, that'd be great. But at this point, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And now flipping the script over to
4: the Elks here, we've got Professor Eric texting again and says, Hello, Dave. Great job filling in on Inside Sports as always. Thank Look you. forward to the double-E game this weekend. I think if the team wins against Ottawa on Sunday, they'll be right back in the playoff mix. And he also adds, as for the future of the team, who are the favorites, the early favorites, to be the permanent CEO? That's from oh. uh, Professor Eric. So That's uh, Well, inc- we know who... Isn't involved in it. and It's the current interim president and CEO yeah. because he walked out on a show last night and said, "No, I don't want that. I want the interim president and CEO. I want what I have right now." But,
1: yeah, that's Rick, <laughs> that's Rick Lalisher. I mean, everyone's going to point to Sean Fleming. Um, that would be a big pay cut for Sean, um, but you know he's wanted this position before. He was in the running uh, and lost out to Lynn Rhodes back in uh, late in the 2011 season. Um, he's built a pretty good career in the accounting world so but would he fit the bill for sure he would so yeah I don't know about candidates yet it's pretty early in the process and there's really no names that have come to the forefront I think they, there's only one name that has reached out according to the board chair Tom Richards of course he's not going to reveal the name but you know they've hired a search firm and Rick Lawisher is going to help out the interim president and CEO so it's an important hire for sure because uh, Unfortunately, the board has missed on the last uh, couple, so that's very important they get it right.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Got one that just came in right now from an unknown text that says, really love hearing all the coverage of the
1: Elks on your show lately. Well, we love bringing it to you, so there we go. Yeah, thank you very much for that, and we're going to have more. We're going to have more of that. Uh, Niles Morgan, who uh, has been one of the better defenders of this Elks team, had a sack in Hamilton. And even though the team does not do very well in stopping the run, Niles Morgan's probably their best run stopper as well. had a chance to talk to him after practice today. Well, Niles, tell me about coming
0: back to work on the back of a win. What's that like? Uh, Best feeling ever. You know, you want to just get back at it and do the same thing you did last week and come out here with another win after another week of hard work.
1: There's a lot of adversity in that game. I mean, the the weather delay yep, weather that delay. that does not help. How how do you manage that? Do you think personally and and, and, and as a team? Uh, personally, I just
0: watched film on what was going on with our game plan. It just gave us more time to. Pick up more things and game plan more, right? Mm-hmm. And then the same approach was that of our coaches and our players. You know, everybody just stayed locked in. I don't think anybody lost a grain of focus. Just like the first half, play the second half, exactly like
1: that. That's the ultimate. You can't control that scenario, right? I mean, that one. Football's about control the controllables. Right. That's one you can't. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so when you can't control, you just deal with, right, you fight through all types of adversity. Yeah. And that's just one reason why, you know, we need to keep doing what we doing. Yeah. Diversity has been the thing that we need to overcome. We did it last week and we're doing, and we're going to do, do the same thing this week as well. Yeah.
1: And working through those losses where you had chances to win and didn't do it and we're, you know, got some youth on the team as well. I think collectively it's important, but how about for the young guys to know, hey, if we stick to our keys and we stay focused, we can win a football game here. Yeah, you know, the young
0: guys don't know, like, you know, the league, uh, there's the first half of the season, then the second half. You know, right now we're the ones picking up the momentum. And, you know, it's not over with. You know, things may have looked bleak at first, but we got to keep in their minds that we're right there in it. And we are, you know, we make sure that they know that, you know, where we stand, where everyone else stands, and just keep their minds in it, and
1: we'll be A-OK. Why do you think the the defense was able to kind of control the game? I know you probably don't like the number of rushing yards you gave up. uh, But at the same time, seven sacks, got some pressure on Powell. Did you feel the defense was able to control
0: the game? I do. I do. I think that everybody was doing their job. And, um, you know, the accountability factor really was important for us uh, last week for our prep. And it, it would be just as important this week, of course. But that was the reason why, you know, guys were really forced to do their job and step up and be accountable. And I paid dividends for us to come out there with that win. And here's AC Leonard catching a 45 yard pass. Oh, right. We got that, too. AC <laughs> pulling out all the tricks and hats. And uh, I, I, uh, I didn't know he played tight end. I got here at ARL. Like, he played tight end. I'm like, I can sell. <laughs> One hander's like that. Can't beat
1: it. Did he pull up his stats from his days as a BC Lion? No, no, he didn't. But I was we ask him now. Thank you. It's everywhere. It's it's pretty impressive that he's able to, to be that. But, you know, it's Chris Jones, right? Yeah. He's he, them athlete, don't he? Athletes. He's athletes. like, so he always sees the best in you. Oh. Um, so tell me about stacking this now. And, you know, we always talk about flushing a loss. Right. How about what's the importance of flushing a win?
0: How important is that? Um, I think it's. Even more important, you know, we don't want to get the big head right. We want to keep the mindset the same. We're going to keep in, going to keep working in and working hard, you know, during the week. And so we don't want to let the uh, the, the wind get too much to our heads. And I don't think it has. I think the guys have put that to bed and we now picked up Ottawa. Yeah and I call Ottawa
1: on Sunday an opportunity to give yourselves another opportunity exactly. when it comes to you know you're chasing teams for a playoff spot. Exactly you know you I think that sums it up
0: perfectly you know we are chasing opportunities and this is and this is the next one so this is the most important game.
1: That's Alex a linebacker Niles Morgan talking about the first win of the season and just uh, dealing with the adversity and finally learning, maybe learning the lessons of the games that got away from them and the second halves that have got away from them and learning from those mistakes and not getting uh, too wrapped up in the negative with with a lot of the, the young players on the team and maybe they're getting it. What about AC Leonard as well? Uh, he was their second leading receiver with that 45-yard uh, gadget play. Uh, Taylor Cornelius on the second and short, uh, faking the uh, sneak and then uh, with the little lob toss. And yeah, Leonard, Leonard has like 200 and like it's about 280 yards receiving two touchdowns in his receiving career. He's over 300 now. But uh, Trey Ford on that play for uh, the Elks and A.C. Leonard. And when he heard it in his headset, when he heard the play called, what, what was his reaction?
3: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I was thinking was, I went to the sideline, I'll tell everybody, oh, watch out, defense, get ready, this is going to be a touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So I was telling everybody, touchdown, and I mean, when I originally found out about the play in practice, I'm like, defense and going to catch the ball, and then I found out he played tight end, so I'm like, Psh, this is a walk in the park. <laughs> That's what Niles Morgan was saying to me, I said, I had no idea he yeah, played really on no offense.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I literally just found that out last week. He got like 200 yards, of, or 250 yards with the Lions there, he's, he's yep. got some good hands. Yeah, no, for sure, he's He's an athlete. And it wasn't Trey Ford that threw the pass. Again, it was Taylor Cornelius whos embraced. is uh, embrace—is that the right word? Maybe accepting the third-down QB role, and that was a big play, according to Chris Jones. And. Likes the attitude of Taylor right now.
2: He's a team guy. You know, uh, a lot of people would, you know, sulk and complain and, and uh, that type of thing. And that's not the way he was raised. That's not who he is. His character is much higher than that. So he, uh, and I don't think embraces the right word. Because uh, yeah. it's not like he just gets up in the morning warm and fuzzy uh, where he's at. But he's going to do whatever's necessary to uh, help us win football games. And that's the kind of people we need.
1: Yeah, tough to go from the starter to the third uh position on the depth chart but uh, he scored a touchdown in the game and a big play to help set up that touchdown for the Elks and uh, everyone contributed to that win could still play better in the second half can still stop the run better can still pre- execute a more consistently on offense but right now you look at the offense it's pretty balanced and Trey Ford I mean he's got that it factor he's got that it factor so just give him a little bit more. you got to remember, he's only going to start his sixth game on Sunday of his CFL career. You know, I hear the criticism of Trey Ford and how he's being utilized. Well, it's not like at Waterloo, at U Sports. Well, I sure hope not. <laughs> it's it's U Sports compared to professional football. And you got to remember, too, I mean, Trey Ford went only 16 games, I believe, in, uh, in Waterloo. So that's not a lot. That's a couple seasons. And, yes, he is a heck great and trophy winner. But in the small sample size, he is executing very highly what he's been asked to do. In the small sample size. So give him a little bit more, a little bit more. They're running the football better. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. That is a metric that's going to be really, really important in these uh, next coming weeks, including Sunday at home against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by
0: James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law.
4: I was listening to my radio late last night when
1: I heard a knock on my door. I went to the window and I peeked outside. It was a girl about 5'4". She said she saw my name on the battlefield. She thought she'd give me a try. <laughs> I unlocked the door and invited uh, her in. Wow. It was then I realized.
4: That's what's coming up here. She had Barbra Streisand's nose. She had Barbra Streisand's nose. So, Dave, this is from May of 1984. Yep. This is the late, great Terry Funk and his LP, Great Texan, that was released in Japan. And this is the lead single off of it, titled Barbara Streisand's Notes. I had no idea Terry <laughs> Funk was
1: a music artiste as well. Uh, one album, by the way, folks. There was okay. not a uh, a follow-up to this. so. Well, there you go. Uh, wow, well, that's great, The Good stuff. And, of course, we're, it's a tribute to Terry Funk, who uh, passed away at the age of 79. Uh, what's your favorite Terry Funk moment or moments maybe you got a couple that come to mind I was do this? have a couple that come yeah. to
4: mind too uh, just uh, you know even growing up uh, I have to talk about the rivalry between him and Cactus Jack that was one of the first real instances for me to see real uh, what they call hardcore wrestling oh, yeah. or no disqualification wrestling and that stuff uh, I saw a lot of that stuff in the in the late 90s early 2000s um, you know after discovering uh, ECW and and that sort of ilk of wrestling on top of that. Uh, legendary feud with Ric Flair back in 89. I discovered that as well shortly thereafter. You know, just a, a great feud with it. But I think the one of my favorite matches I've ever seen is, if you get a chance to check it out, and I think it might also exist on YouTube in some form or whatever, is that back in 1995, December of 1995, uh, Terry and his, his brother Dory Fun Came to uh, Calgary uh, oh. in recognition and in celebration of Stu Hart's 80th birthday celebration. Oh, wow. Where there was a Stu Hart tribute card actually held in Cochrane, or actually, I think it was, it was sponsored by a bunch of car dealerships in Cochrane at the Corral in Calgary. Okay. There's a lot of C's happening there, but just follow <laughs> me, folks. Uh, and, uh, and this is a weird matchup for you uh, Terry and Dory Funk took on Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart oh, who wow. collectively were known as Bad Company that's right in uh, Stampede Wrestling and the fight itself is 20 minutes of the most Bloodiest, goriest, you know, action-packed, whatever you'll ever see in a like—it's absolute bedlam. Ed Whalen's on the call. The whole thing is—it's it's perfect. It's awesome. I gotta check that out. <laughs> I gotta check that out. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, more mainstream, uh, the barely legal main event from ECW's first pay-per-view in '97. That's the infamous Terry Funk puts his head for a ladder and does the
1: spinning helicopter yeah, thing and knocks out opponents. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a. Cra- Crazy match for sure. So the 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 memory I have, there's a lot lot of good ones. Probably his matches with Flair in the late eighties. I mean, Meltzer has one of the matches that's it's five star. So you look up Meltzer's ratings and it'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, so the infamous hell in a cell match, I gotta do this quickly, between the Undertaker and McFoley. Of course, Taker throws Foley off the uh, cage, falls on the table. They come back and they, because everyone thought Foley was done. They go back to the top of the cage. Undertaker choke slams Foley. This was not planned. The cell breaks, which was already compromised, and Foley takes a horrific fall. Undertaker comes down to the cage, and this is the first time like I've seen a doctor run into the ring uh, and check on. You know, a, a wrestler, but Terry Funk went in as well. And Undertaker wanted to know how Mick was doing. Then, not to break kayfabe, Terry Funk's like, "I'll tell you, but you got to give me a choke slam here." What? You got to give me a choke slam? Okay, so he gives the choke slam, and in the process of giving the choke slam to Terry Funk, Funk relays the information uh, to Undertaker on the condition of Mick Foley. So, not to break kayfabe, so Terry Funk took a bump. Uh, for his friend and to tell The Undertaker how Mick Foley was doing. So there you go. Jays are going to lose tonight. Uh, They're down 7-0 to the Baltimore Orioles. Actually, they have lost. So uh, there'll be one game, one full game back of the uh, Salem Mariners for the third and final wild card spot. Austin Matthews, Toronto Maple Leaf, signs a four-year extension. We're $53 million, $13.5 million cap hits. Tut starts next season. He's the highest-paid player in the National Hockey League. Dean Faithful did not practice today for the Edmonton Elks. The global player, uh, ankle injury, we'll see about tomorrow. She
4: has bought the stride since She has bought the stride since
1: On behalf of Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. We'll talk to you tomorrow on 630 Ched Inside Sports. And rest in peace, Terry Funk.